0: Good morning. You are one strong man, thank you. (laughs) Let's pray. God, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for uh, loving us in spite of our faults, in spite of our failings. God, not only loving us, but saving us your son, Jesus, not only saving us, but choosing to utilize us for your work, for your glory, for your kingdom's sake. So God, we thank you, and we rejoice in that. In your son, Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you have your Bible apps or your Bibles, go with me to Mark chapter 8, Mark, the eighth chapter. It was a really big night. It was going to determine the out-course of two people's lives. And I was a little bit nervous. I told Brooke we were going out to celebrate her completing a semester at college, which was a bold-faced lie. She had just completed a semester at college, but she was taking summer courses and she was starting a new course three days later. I told her to dress up nice because I just, I just wanted to take her someplace nice to celebrate. Her dad pulled me aside in the kitchen. He knew what was up. I mean, just days earlier, I'd driven over to their house at a time. I knew Brooke wouldn't be there. And I asked him the question, can I have your daughter's hand in marriage? And he looked at me and said, well, of course, Brian, she couldn't do any better. And uh, <laughs> may not be exactly how the conversation went, but I have the microphone. <laughs> So he gave me me his permission. I'd spent more money on that ring than I had anything with the exception of my condo that I owned at the time. I'd spent all afternoon preparing for this this dinner. So I I dressed up and I I drove over to Brooke's house and and I picked her up. And we went up uh, to, to dinner in Akron. And on the way up to Akron, she looked over at me and she said, is everything okay? I'm like, yeah, everything's great. She's like, you're, you're just a little quiet tonight. I'm like, ah, oh, no. everything's good. Tonight's about you, baby. Tonight's about you just completing a semester at school. So we sat down to dinner, ordered steak, which is what I would eat every single meal if I could. I cut into the steak, and it was delicious. And I ate about half of it. I don't not finish steaks. She said, "Are you sure you're okay?" I'm like, "Yeah, I'm great. Just a little early for dinner. Not not super hungry. Let's just Let's just go We'll just go back to my condo. Let's just Let's just go back to my condo." She's like, "All right." So we get in the car. And on the drive back to the condo, it's like a thousand questions. It's that it's that sense that women have And every married man or every man in this room who's dated a woman knows exactly what I'm talking about. The last thing you want to do is converse. She obviously has picked up on this and she just wants to do nothing but torture you (laughs) at that time. And so the questions are just like rapid fire, coming out of like bullets of a machine gun, just one after the other. And I'm giving her just really short answers. I don't want to talk because I'm keeping it all in. I'm doing well just to keep it all together. And then on the way back to my condo, it happens. The breaking point is reached and we start arguing in the car on the way back to the place I'm about to ask my wife if she'll be my wife this is not how it goes in the movies unless it's a dark comedy and so we are just arguing and I'm just looking for ways to get out of the argument but I'm a peacemaker my wife she just wants to win every argument And so, and so I'm just trying, okay, that was a lie too. I'm just keeping, I'm just keeping the argument going and she's just trying to change the subject and I won't let her and we make it to my condo and there is no way I can let her go inside. There's no way I can let her go inside the condo. And so we're sitting there arguing in my garage and she looks at me and says, can we go inside? And I'm like, no, we can't go inside. We're going to solve this argument right here in the car. And she's like, well, fine, take me home. And I turned the car on, and then I thought, don't be an idiot, Brian. And so I turned the car back off, and I'm like, let's just go inside. And that calmed her for a moment. And then I opened the door, and when I did, Brooke heard this. Marry me, Juliet, you never have to be alone. was our song at the time. I'm man enough to admit that. Only a little bit of shame. Just, just, just a little bit. And so she heard that, which that song had to have driven all the neighbors in my condo complex crazy because I had the MP3 on repeat before I left to pick Brooke up. (laughs) So literally for three hours bleeding through the walls of my condo was Taylor Swift's love story. I had candles going. I knew I was moving to Mississippi, so I didn't really care if I burnt the place down or not. It was a recession, and I figured a newly built condo on insurance money would be easier to sell anyhow. So I had candles burning the whole time. And before I picked Brooke up, I'd gone and bought a couple dozen pink flowers, and I wrote out in rose petals, will you marry me on the floor? And I hid the, I hid the ring right behind the compartment because I'm a little bit clumsy, and I, I thought that I would lose it if I had it with me all night and so I hid it behind a compartment and so as we walked in the house I pulled the ring out I got down on one knee she heard the Taylor Swift she saw the the candles she saw the flowers and she looked over at me with the biggest smile on her face as I was down on one knee holding a box with a ring in it open and she just kept looking at me smiling and I'm like baby you gotta answer (laughs) will you marry me? And look at us now <laughs> look at us now it's one of the most important questions you'll ever ask this morning we're gonna talk about a question that's even more important than who you'll marry it's a question that's more important than what you'll do for a living who you will spend the rest of your life with how many kids you'll have where you'll live It is the most important question that you will ever have to answer. And it's asked of every single one of us. It's asked of every single individual without exception. It doesn't matter your socioeconomic class. It doesn't matter where you live. It doesn't matter who you are there is one question that is demanded of all of us and it is the most important question you will ever have to answer in this life. And we're going to look at that in just a minute. So in Mark chapter 8, we pick up in verse 27. And this is what we find. And Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? And they told him John the Baptist, and others say Elijah, and others, one of the prophets. So Jesus calls aside his his group of guys that he's been spending about two years at this point in time with. says, what do people say about me? You have an ear to the ground. You know people. What, what are they saying about me? Who, who do people say that I am? And the answers that he gets from his disciples are, well, some say you're John the Baptist. John the Baptist was a forerunner of Jesus. He did some miraculous things. He preached a message of repentance. He baptized a lot of people. He was arrested and beheaded because he spoke out on the sexual immorality of a king. Some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah, the Old Testament prophet who in an amazing turn of events didn't die, was just caught up into heaven. Some say you're another one of the prophets. See, everyone has their idea of who Jesus is. Philosophers write novels on this concept. Muslims have their idea of who Jesus is. Jews have their idea of who Jesus is. Secular humanists have their idea and views of who Jesus is. Christ's followers have their view of who Jesus is, but everybody has a view of who Jesus is. Jesus asked his disciples, well, well, who do do they say that I am? And they give their answers. And then he says, "But but who do you say that I am? But who do you say that I am? This is it. This is the most important question you will ever be faced with in your entire life. Who do you say Jesus is? Who do you say Jesus is? See, Jesus' concern was about their answer, not everyone else's. And Jesus' concern for you is about your answer, not everyone else's. Sometimes as Christians, we get so worked up as Christ followers, we get so worked up when somebody has this view of Jesus that just doesn't jive with the New Testament at all, and, and we get so angry about it and we fight This It's not our battle to fight. The primary question that Jesus has for us is Who do you say Jesus is? And that is the question that each and every one of us has to answer. And it doesn't matter what your spouse answers, it doesn't matter how your parents answer, it doesn't matter how your coworkers or your friends answer, all that matters is how you answer. Who do you say that Jesus is? And this is why this is the most important question that you'll ever face. Because this question and the answer to this question will not only determine the rest of your life in every facet, it will determine eternity. You know anybody in a bad marriage? Don't raise your hand, especially don't point. You know anybody in a bad marriage? Their lives are miserable. But if you're stuck in a bad marriage, you can either look forward to counseling or death. There is an endpoint to a bad marriage. You ever been stuck in a bad job? You can look forward to retirement or getting out of the job. You ever been stuck with a bad kid? My mom's here, I don't wanna hear an amen. You (laughs) ever been stuck with a bad kid? At 18, you can kick him out of the house. But this question, who do you say Jesus is, impacts not only everything you're faced with here and now, it impacts everything you'll ever be faced with. And its answer has eternal consequences. Jesus says, but what about you? What about you? Who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, you are the Christ. And he strictly charged them to tell no one about him. What? I mean there's Peter And he nails this one I mean this is awesome This is the greatest answer that he could have given Because it's the right answer Jesus has asked him Alright what do other people say about me They rattle that off But what about you Who do you say that I am And Peter looks at him and he says You are the Christ You are the Messiah You are God And Jesus says yeah Don't tell anyone what? So they have the answer to the most important question that anybody will ever be asked. The most important question that will ever be asked. They have the answer. It's the right answer. And Jesus says, don't tell anyone. Why wouldn't you tell everyone? Jesus explains. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. And he said this plainly. Oh, Peter got it. You're God. You're the Messiah. But he didn't understand the mission that Jesus had. He understood who Jesus was, but he did not understand the mission that Jesus had. And you cannot fully understand who Jesus is if you do not understand the mission that Jesus had. And so Jesus looks at Peter and he says, don't say anything. Because it hasn't all been revealed yet. Don't mess this up. You're right. But you don't have the full picture. And he says, my work, my work as God is to take on the form of man, to be fully God and to be fully man. In in me, Jesus said. Something only God can do, I don't know. And he says, "I, I came here with a purpose. See, Peter Other 11, everyone here, you have a problem. Oh, this is offensive. I'm just going to warn you in advance. I'm about to be really offensive. Here it is. You're not good enough. You have a problem. That's the message of Jesus. There's problems in your life. My standard happens to be perfection. You don't make it. I came to be king, but I came to be king of a kingdom greater than one that you can understand, Peter. And so the kingdom of Jesus is ushered in Not on not on a visible throne, not on robes that were put on right then. No. It's ushered in when Jesus looks at us and says, You have a problem. Your problem is something called sin. God created you, He gets to make the rules. It's just the way it goes. You rebelled against those rules. There's a cost to that rebellion. It's death. It's, phys- it's physical death. And it's spiritual death. The physical death aspect, we all understand. We all see death, we've all been impacted and affected by it. Hate it. It's because of our sin. spiritual death as well. And that takes the form of eternity apart from God in a place the Bible calls hell. That's the message of Jesus. You're not good enough. You rebelled against me. I made the rules. You didn't listen. The cost of that is death. the story's not over. So the kingdom of God was something so much greater than they could understand and it would take Jesus to a place that he would go and he would lay down his life in my place and in your place. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become right with God. We could have a renewed relationship with God because of what Jesus Christ was telling his disciples he was going to do. Because I failed, he would be sacrificed. Because I sinned, he would lay down his life. This is the message of Jesus. Jesus. That God loves us in spite of our problems. God loves us in spite of our sin. And Jesus' mission would take him to a cross. Because the cost of our sin is death. And he died in our place. And three days later, he rose again. And he tells his disciples, this is what's going to happen to me. This is what I'm going to do. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Not wise. But turning and seeing his disciples He rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Not the response you want from Jesus. If you're ever on the family feud and Steve Harvey's up there, top two answers on the board. We asked 100 people. What are the two things you don't want to hear from Jesus? Answer number one should be, Depart from me for I don't know you. Yeah, that's not a good one. That takes the cake. That's number one. Answer number two, right behind it, hey, you know when you just said that? You sounded a lot like Satan. Hey, keep developing that thought. It reminds me of, oh, Satan, not something you want to hear from Jesus. Yeah, you remind me of my adversary. That's not good. Oh, you ever been there? Your day's just going so well. You've got great news. Things are going great, and then you look up in the rearview mirror, and you see the lights, and you're like, oh, a speeding ticket. It just ruins your whole day. Just ruins it. That's exactly what just happened to Peter. He is flying high. He got the answer to the most important question ever asked right. Who do you say that I am? You're the Christ. Incredible. Moments later, you're Satan. Get behind me that'll ruin your day, that'll ruin your day. Why such a harsh reaction from Jesus? And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake in the Gospels will save it. Why such a harsh reaction from Jesus towards Peter? he didn't understand all that Jesus was coming to do. Listen. This message of Jesus, it costs us everything. It costs us everything. Deny yourself take up the cross, follow Him. Deny yourself, take up the cross, follow Him. Following Jesus costs us everything because following Jesus changes everything. It costs us everything because it changes everything. It changes what we do because it changes who we are at the core this is the message of the gospel of Jesus you can't have it if you don't deny yourself it's where it starts deny yourself carry your cross follow me for what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul. For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the, whole, with the holy angels. And so I wonder this morning, Are you answering the wrong questions? Have you gained the whole world? Oh, things are going well. Your job's going great. Your wife and family are are loving you. Everything is perfect except your relationship with Jesus. You know where that's gonna end up eventually? In a scenario like we've seen with Miley Cyrus. You don't believe me? We've seen it with Britney Spears. You don't believe me? We've seen it with Leif Garrett. How far back do we need to go? How many athletes, how many, how many celebrities do we need to look at? How many businessmen do we need to see who've held it all together? They've had their entire empire. And for what? I answered the wrong question. What good is it for you to gain everything and yet not answer the most important question you'll ever be faced with correctly. So here's what you need to do. My wife and I, before we had kids and we actually had some money, it was, it was great and some freedom. We would go on trips, right? We'd go to Graceland, we'd go down to the beach. It was, it was great. And yet we'd have a little routine when we go on a trip. You probably have a similar one. You tell your neighbors or your family or somebody, hey, I'm going on a trip. I'm going away. You say goodbye. You pack your belongings in a suitcase, either to load on a flight or to put in the car. You take them with you. And then you go on your journey. You get in that car, you get on that plane, and you don't look back. Maybe today you need to say goodbye to who you are. Maybe today you need to deny yourself. Maybe today you need to pick something up, but it's not a bag for a journey. It's the cross of Jesus. And maybe today you need to go and never look back. This is the most important question you have to answer. How do you answer? God, I pray. I pray that we wouldn't mess up the most important question. God, I pray that if there's somebody here has it all together and yet God they just have not answered the most important question right of who do you say that you are that right now God they would say enough God I pray that right here in this room they would make the decision right now to say goodbye to themselves they would pick up your cross the only means of forgiveness that we have for our mistakes, for our failures, for our shortcomings and our sins. And God, they would follow you and they would not look back. And God, I pray if they're here right now and in their heart they've made that decision then right now between you and them, they would just say, God, forgive me. I need you. I know you sent your son Jesus to die for my sins. He rose again three days later. So God, come inside my life. Save me. Change me. I don't want to look back. God, I pray that we would not miss this question. Let us get it right. In your son Jesus' name we pray.